0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody. How are you feeling out there tonight, huh? Wow. You know, I had an old pastor years ago that said, when we started having church kind of like this and people started feeling good in their soul, he said, folks, this is a foretaste of heaven. And I really believe that. I really believe heaven's going to be made up of a lot of praising and a lot of thanking the Lord. There's going to be 30 minutes silence because you're going to stand there and say, Dear God, did I make it? And then you're going to look and say, Oh God, they made it. And then we're all going to receive each other and we're going to have a hollabaloo in heaven. Amen. What a joy. Good to see all of you tonight. It's an honor. It's an honor. I am so happy to be here tonight, and I'm so happy to pastor this church at this time in my walk with God. I've never been happier in all my life, and I will share that later in my message tonight. We're starting a series that I, uh, I feel very confident about. It's simply called Solomon's Secrets. We're going to study the book of Proverbs. Now, tonight I'm going to give an introduction, then I'm going to give the first... I'm going to give the first secret out tonight, the first one. But I want you to understand that it's going to take me a little time to get rolling here tonight. I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm just trying to teach you some things. So tonight is lecture. Tonight is talking. And if I get a little excited, I'll talk a little little louder. (laughs) But I want you to get a hold of and grasp. So what I want you to do, if there's something on the screen that you like, not me, but something on the screen you like, get your camera, get it ready and take a snapshot of it because it's not going to stay there long. If you want something to remember or something to keep, it may be too quick for note taking but you can take a snapshot it'll be all right. Just just don't make me think that I'm in the paparazzi movement here tonight. All right. <laughs> just don't keep snapping. Just don't snap. Don't do that with all the and if you could do it without without your light, okay? That's all right. So, going to be a lot of stuff on the screen. I've got 58 slides tonight. Fifty-eight slides. Would you stand to your feet, you're awesome people. You're awesome folks. Oh, Solomon was quite a man. He was a wise man, the wisest man that ever lived. And we're going to share some of his secrets tonight. I want you to turn to somebody and say, I want to help and hear the Word tonight. Everybody say, Pastor. Teach the Word to us tonight. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Teach the Word tonight. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. heart. Teach the Word tonight. tonight. Let me leave here here. a better person person. than what I was When was. when when I came in. And you may be seated. You're incredible, incredible people. Living well. Living really well. So what images come to mind as you meditate on that particular phrase? Is it weekend jaunts to Paris? Or a month-loan vacation in Maui. That sounds good. Or an 8,000-square-foot home with a large swimming pool and a little bitty mortgage. <laughs> a garage filled with luxury cars, one forever member of your family. A bulging portfolio of stocks and bonds that generate so much income that you can tell the boss how you really feel anytime you want to tell him how you really feel. <laughs> no, you may say, I'm not that materialistic, Pastor. That's all right. For you, living might mean something like chatting with Oprah about her favorite new book, a book that you happen to be the author of. Or maybe it's been financially set enough to be able to take a year off and do a job in the missions field. You just may not be one who measures success by material goods acquired or even by goals achieved. You may define living well in terms of relationships Experiencing an emotionally and sexually fulfilling marriage or knowing that you have four or five great friends in your life who accept you unconditionally or rearing children who are intellectually and emotionally and spiritually prepared to successfully navigate through life. Regardless of how you define living well, I have good news and bad news for you tonight. The bad news is that you probably will not acquire all the material possessions, achieve all the goals or experience all the fabulous relationships that you've ever dreamed of. But here's the good news. You can have more than you have right now. You can. That's right. You do not have to occupy the same rut for the rest of your existence. You know what a rut is, don't you? It's a grave with both ends kicked out of it. You don't need to die in life. You can live a life substantially better than you do right now. In fact, I stand behind this next statement. If you will put into practice what's taught over the next few weeks from the Word, I guarantee you that you will enjoy a greater level of financial security than you've ever known. Say amen to that. And I believe you'll achieve a greater level of success in your career than you ever thought possible. And I believe you'll experience more satisfaction in your family and in relationships than you ever hoped for. And I believe you'll realize more of your dreams than you ever imagined. I believe right now I kind of have some of your attention. The reason I can make these claims is because I'm going to share with you ten concepts, yeah? It's going going to take a while to teach this, that are not contrived in the corners of my mind. They say plagiarism is stealing from one, but research is stealing from many. And I researched this and I have found some things and I'm not plagiarizing anything, but I want to tell you, Deuteronomy says, so keep the words of this covenant to do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Joshua told the people, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according." To all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Anybody here want success in life? Come on, raise your hand. Let's get on it. Psalms 1, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 said, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in seasons and its leaf does not wither and in whatever He does, He prospers. That's the word. That's not just an Old Testament concept, but you got to notice this. 3 John verse 2, 3 John 2 said, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. Just as your soul prospers. See, the synonym for prosper here is success. John wanted his friend to succeed in his spiritual life, as your soul prospers, but also in every other area of his life. Living well, folks, is not limited to just financial success. I hate to burst your bubble tonight, but it's not God's will for every person to be a millionaire. It's not. Of course, a few of them be nice. But God's kind of fulfillment means strong relationships and achieving worthwhile goals and having financial stability. That's what it's about. Listen to what I'm about to say here. For a Christian, eternal life does not commence after you die, it begins now and reaches like a beam of light into the hereafter. You are living with eternity on the inside of you right now. Jesus said in John 10:10, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That doesn't start when you say goodbye to this life. That starts when he comes and touches your life with that eternal blessing that only he can give. Living well is experiencing God's best for every area of your life. Let me ask you again, are you living well? As you think about your spiritual life and your marriage and your family, your career, your bank account, can you honestly say, this is everything God wants for my life. It just can't get any better than this. It can. Stephen Covey wrote a book entitled First Things First. I share some of this. In it, he asks a series of questions that can help us determine whether we're truly living well. One question he asks is, do you have sustained and physical capacity throughout the day? Or are there things you'd like to do that you can't do because you feel tired, you feel run down, or you feel out of shape? Question, are you in a position of financial security? Are you able to meet your own needs and have resources set aside for the future? Or are you in debt working long hours and barely scraping by and saying, where is it going to come from, God? Question, do you have rich, satisfying relationships with other people? Are you able to work with others effectively, effectively to, effect, to, to, to accomplish common purposes? Or do you feel alienated? Do you feel alone? Unable to spend quality time with people you love or challenged in trying to work with others because of misunderstanding, because of miscommunication, because of politicking, (laughs) backbiting, blaming, or accusing? Are you constantly questioning learning, growing, and gaining new perspectives, acquiring new skills, or do you feel stagnant? Are you being held back from career advancements or other things you'd like to do because you don't have the education the skills? And do you have a clear sense of direction and purpose that inspires and energizes you? Or do you feel vague and unclear about what's important to you and what you want in life? What we all need tonight is a good dose of wisdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need some of that. (laughs) Look back and say, you do too. Wisdom in the Old Testament is the word hokmah, H-O-K-M-A-H, hokmah. It was originally used to describe the work of weavers who wove the elaborate garments for Aaron the high priest. Hallelujah. Exodus 28 said, you shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of Wisdom. Wisdom that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister as a priest unto me. See, the weaver's ability, folks, to follow God's design for manufacturing the garments was labeled wisdom, wisdom. His ability to make design garments for the high priest was called wisdom. And from that point on, wisdom is the skill of living life according to God's plan. When Solomon was asked, Solomon, what do you want? Do you want power? Do you want fame? Do you want riches? He said, no, sir. God, I want a spirit of understanding. Would you give to me wisdom? And God answered him back and said, not only will I give you what you asked for, but because you didn't ask for fame, you didn't ask for power, you didn't ask for wealth, but you asked for an understanding heart, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you influence in this world because you asked for the right thing. It's time for people to quit asking for things that they want and start asking for something that they need in their life. We need a spirit of understanding and wisdom in our life. Wow, I didn't mean to preach there, but I did. A wise person is one who patterns his finances. There we are, patterns his finances. Patterns his goals. Patterns his relationships and every other aspect of his life according to the specifications revealed in God's Word. It's a pattern. It's wisdom. It's how to do stuff. There are two key truths we need to understand about this skill for living called wisdom. Wisdom is often the opposite Of our natural inclinations. Would you say it with me? Wisdom is often the opposite of our natural inclinations. I read about this not-so-handy man who was attempting to fix his garage door and he had this screwdriver in his hand and the more he turned it to the left the tighter it seemed to get. Finally a neighbor came over and assessed the problem and said oh that's a left-handed thread. It's a reverse screw. You have to loosen it in the opposite direction. In other words, loose is right and tighten is left. And the frustrated homeowner says, it took me 50 years to find out how to work this and now they change all the rules. (laughs) The Bible is in a sense a reverse thread. It's a reverse thread. It reminds us that the way up is down and the way to rule is to serve. And the way to live is to die to oneself. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Wisdom is the opposite of our natural inclinations. The second thing it is, is obtaining wisdom requires effort. You're going to have to work a little bit. Since the skill for living well does not come naturally, it must be discovered. In a museum right now, there sits a Bible that was given to Albert Einstein. And on the flyleaf, someone wrote, This is powerful straw on the surface flows. You've seen rivers, you've seen oceans, but he who searches for pearls must dive below. There's a lot of straw on the surface of life, but if you want the good stuff, you've got to dive deep. You've got to get your scuba gear on and go get it. Even a brilliant mind like Einstein could not discover God's wisdom easily, it required effort. Solomon compared the quest for wisdom with the treasure hunt. I love this. In Proverbs chapter 3 he said, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And now I'm going to put wisdom in the place of her because he calls wisdom a her. Isn't that amazing? He didn't call it a him. You need to listen to your wife every now and then, good brother. Oh, I'm meddling now. For wisdom profit is better than the profit of silver and wisdom gain is better than fine gold. Wisdom is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with wisdom. My brother-in-law discovered that, discovering that we had a swimming pool at our house several years ago, decided to replicate us and build one at his house. He always talks about me. I'm talking about him right now. I hope he's listening. And when excavating, the diggers hit a three-inch concrete encased pipe in the ground behind his house. And it turned out to be an oil pipe from many, many years ago. He lives in Houston. And for a while there, we, weren't, we all weren't sure whether he might just be the next Jed Clampett. <laughs> Come and listen to my story about a man named Jed. <laughs> and we thought we might all be bundled up together and go as a whole family to Beverly Hills and live in one of them big old 20 room mansions. True wealth is not found on the surface. Everything of value that our earth yields comes from the deep. So if you're going to dig to find wisdom, where do you dig? Let's go to the book written by the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon compiled a book full of vigor, substance, and practical insight for living well. He dug deep to learn truths He planted them back under the surface for us to find. I say that because if you read through Proverbs casually, you will miss some incredible buried treasure. But if you search, you'll find amazing things. Let's read together, all right? Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding and For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. Listen to all these words God's using. If you seek her wisdom as silver and search for wisdom as for hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord. Because we understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Anybody want to dig a little bit? Anybody want to go down and dig a little? Because there's things that we can discover if we just put our hearts to it and go after it. In Solomon's Secrets for Living Well, there were four underlying truths we need to keep in mind. I'm going to put them up. You might want to take a picture of these four things when they all get on the screen. Get your camera ready. The focus of Proverbs, folks, is this life, not the next one. Let me say that again. The focus of Proverbs is this life, not the next one you got to get it here. And the measure of living well is not money. Proverbs has a lot to say about earning and saving and spending and investing, but the book is primarily not about money. Number three, living well does not exempt us from problems. Can you say amen to that? You're going to have problems. Man that's born of woman's, but a few days and full of trouble. You will have trouble in this world. But Jesus said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And when you have him in your life, you have someone that can take you through the problem and get you to the other side. And number four, the purpose of living well is to glorify God. Get your picture. That's all four of them right there. You want to put that on your refrigerator right now. Get your picture. Okay, it's gone. Put your cameras up. <laughs> Romans 11 says it this way, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Everybody say amen. 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 So that's my introduction. And I got about 15 more minutes. Stay with me. Don't leave me. Secret number one if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up somewhere else. (laughs) Where am I? Proverbs 20 said, Purposes and plans are established by counsel. And only with good advice, make or carry on war. Albert Einstein was on board a pastor train when the ticket collector came to receive his ticket. And checking in his pockets, he couldn't find his ticket stub. The man said, sir, don't worry about it. We know who you are. You're Mr. Albert Einstein. We understand who you are. About 20 minutes later, the ticket man came back through and saw Albert on his hands and knees still looking for his ticket. Mr. Einstein, don't worry about your ticket. We all know who you are and we trust you and we know you purchased the ticket. Einstein looked up and said to the man, young man, this isn't a matter about trust but about direction. I need to find my ticket because I forgot where I'm going. (laughs) My question, do you have a clear sense of where you want to go in life? You're going to enjoy this series. The first and foundational secret for living well in life is simple. Successful people know where they want to go in life and have a plan for getting there. Because when you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. I ask you early in this study to think about these words, living well. Let me be more specific and ask you to imagine five years from the day, five years, five years from right now, January of 2020, January of 2025. Five years from now, where do you want to be in five years? You got a five-year plan? Anybody got a five-year plan in the house? What would you like for your life to look like? Let's get specific. Would you love financial freedom in five years? How much money will you be earning five years from now? How much money will you have saved? How much money will you have donated to worthwhile causes five years from now? Let's talk about vocation just a little bit. I'm going to speed through this. What job would you like to have? What would your colleagues be saying about you? What professional goal would you have accomplished five years from now? Let's talk about family. How would your relationship with your mate and your children be different than what it is today? How would you be spending your free time together? What activities would your children be involved in and how would you describe their spiritual condition five years from now? You got to think about that. Let's talk about lifestyle. Where would you live? What would your home look like? How would you spend a typical day? Five years from now. Let's talk about spiritual condition. That's has got counts. How would your relationship with God be different from what it is now? And what disciplines would be a regular part of your life? What habits would no longer be a part of your life? Never underestimate the power of a dream, folks. Let me say it again. Never underestimate the power of a dream. I believe if you can dream it, I believe you can achieve it. I really, really believe that. On the other hand, Dreams are not sufficient to change your life. I used to have a notepad that I had on there that said dreams come true if you don't oversleep. <laughs> and people loved that notepad. They wanted me to write them a note so they could have that little saying that I put on the bottom of that note. I've dreamed of romantic trips with Patty to all points east, west, north, and south, and beyond. But until I saved the money... <laughs> got airline tickets, and developed an action plan. It was just a dream. See, a dream without a plan is only a wish. And you'll not arrive at your desired destination by accident. Only luggage does that. (laughs) You folks are going to sleep on me. That's funny. You didn't laugh. (laughs) There was a Finnish farmer that was an atheist, and on his death they found that he willed his farm to the devil. And after a couple of weeks of deliberation, the court finally decided, true story, the best way to honor his wishes was to permit the weeds and the briars to take over the farmland and to allow the house and barn to rot away and to let the soil erode and wash away. And the court said the best way to let the devil have possession of anything is to do nothing. And that is so true. The best way to allow Satan to destroy your dreams is to do nothing continue to live with no action plan. See, there's a law at work in the natural world that's also operative in life. It's the second law of thermodynamics. It's simply this, the physical world is decaying and the direction of all creation is downward, not upward. Everything eventually runs down. Romans 8 said, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Just leave a garden alone and weeds will appear. If you don't believe the same thing happens in life, ask yourself these questions. Let me, let me ask you some questions. Does your body get healthier with age? Does your vision improve the older you get? How about your hearing? Ask your wife how you're hearing now that you're 40 years into the marriage. How about those teeth? They doing all right with you? If you don't do something to counteract that, you'll grow worse over time. So here's something great I want to to teach to you now. This is great stuff right here. King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, had a clear objective for his career, clear objective. He wanted to build a magnificent temple for the worship of God in Jerusalem. 1 Kings 5, he said, Behold, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord spoke to David my father, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he will build the house for my name. Solomon knew the temple would not build itself. So he set up on a plan to see his dream come to pass. The first thing you did, say it with me. He gathered the necessary resources. Yeah. Say he gathered resources. I read from 1 Kings 5. Now therefore command that they cut me cedars from Lebanon and my servants will be with your servants and I'll give you wages for your servants according to all that you say. For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. They knew how to cut that timber. Everybody say he organized, he organized. The, people. the people. He organized. He got, the, he got the, the, the materials together and he organized the people. Second Chronicles said, so Solomon assigned 70,000 men and 80,000 men and 3,600 to supervise them. And then he said, then say, he designed the facility. Say it, he designed the facility. <laughs> now these are the foundations which Solomon laid for the building. I'm putting the scripture up, I'm giving you the word. Laid for the building of God, the length in cubits according to the old standard was 60 cubits and the width was 20 cubits. And then he set a time to begin the project. said he set a time time. to build the project. project. He had a seven-year plan, not a five-year. He had a seven-year plan. It took him seven years to build this temple. And his second Chronicle said he began to build on the second day in the second month of the fourth year of his reign. Folks, he started on a day. He decided this is the day I'm going to start doing what I need to do to build the house of God. And there's got to be something in your spirit. I'm preaching a little bit now that you've got to say this is the day that I'm going to start the turnaround in my life to build something wonderful in my life, in my family, in this house for the kingdom of God. You've got to have a day. And everybody say he completed the project. That's all the work Solomon performed the house of God was finished. He gathered materials. He organized, he designed, he set a time, and he finished, he completed it. It's just time for some of us to say, I've got to start sometime. Why not January 15, 2020? Let's just get this party started in my life, and let's start moving forward in this thing called wisdom and understanding about how I can get my life better off. Solomon understood the importance of developing a plan. That's why his collection of Proverbs are filled with reminders. I'm going to read these. Now watch this. He says in Proverbs 15, without consultation, plans are frustrated. Now watch this. But with many counselors they succeed. He said in Proverbs 16, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. He said in Proverbs 16 and 3, commit your work to the Lord and Your plans will be established. He said in Proverbs 20, prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. He said in Proverbs 21, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Retail mogul J.C. Penney once said, give me a store clerk with a gold and I'll give you a man who will make history. Give me a man without a goal and I'll give you a stock store clerk. Give me somebody with a goal. Let me ask you, do you have a life plan? You have it. You've got to start a life plan sometime in your life. It seems to me that most of us fear that by developing a plan to achieve our dreams, we're setting ourselves up for failure. That's the best way to keep from failing is, is at reaching your goals is not to have any goals. But you know what? If you play basketball, it's not fun to throw the ball up against a wall. If you play football, it's not fun not to have a goal line and boundaries. If you play baseball, it's all right to have a fence. It's all right to have out-of-bounds lines and play the game in the lines. But you got to have goals. Or another reason we fail to set goals is a mindset that says, you know, I have plenty of time, so what's the hurry? Or I don't have enough time, so why bother? We play it on either end. Psalms 90 said 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. So teach us to realize the brevity of life that we may grow in wisdom. We lost a little 28-year-old mother here that loved this house and loved this church. She lived to be 28. Some of us. We don't know what our next day is going to be like. Why don't you start establishing some wisdom and some understanding and some knowledge with God and get on your knees and say, God, open up the windows of heaven and show me what I need to do to improve my existence in this world, to make a difference with somebody, to make a difference with my family and to make a difference with myself. Amen. Randy, if you'll help me. I'm finished. You know I'm a good pastor when it comes to time. But I had a lot tonight. I had 3,500 words. Normally I have 2,200. I had 3,500 words tonight. But I had to get this thing started. I had to get it kick-started. We're going to be rolling next week. I want to take some time to talk about how to set meaningful goals for your life. I see three words that I need to talk to you about. Number one is purpose. Number two is objectives. And number three is goals. Let me talk very simply and quickly about these and I'll be done. First of all, you need a clarifying purpose in your life. Do you know what your purpose is in life? Can you state your life's purpose clearly? Pastor, can you? Yes, sir. I can. I know my purpose. If not, let me give you two suggestions to discover your purpose. First of all, your life purpose should revolve around that which you feel passionate. I got a I got a 16-year-old kid, grandkid. It's a sophomore in high school at Bowie. And he picked up basketball in the seventh grade and made the C team. And he he picked, he went on to play basketball in the 8th and made the B team at Goriski. And he made the starting lineup on the freshman team at Bowie. And now he's on the JV and he's dominating. Just thought I'd share that. He picked up a dream. He left football and picked up a dream in the seventh grade. I got another grandson. He's nine. He belongs to Brad and Cass. And when he gets the ball in basketball, they say, get on him. He's a shooter. And I say, you can't guard him. He's my shooter. Because he has a dream. The boy has a dream. Now, Windsor has come, told me, said, I want to play professional ball and be a preacher on Sunday. He's dreaming. He believes it can happen. Who am I to tell him it can't? I originally came across six questions you need to ask yourself to help you identify your passion. Number one, what needs that I see in the world are a concern to me? What concerns me in this world? Number two, if I could meet any need in the world, what need would I meet? Number three, what are the most urgent needs in my country? my community in my work my school my church number four what age group or type of people naturally interest me what age group am I interested in number five what are the major needs among my neighbors my friends and my family and number six if I do not meet these needs who will see your life's purpose should revolve around something that God has given you special gifts in it is God who's at work with you giving you the will and the power to achieve the purpose. So what abilities do you have that others notice and affirm? If you could give a how-to seminar, what topic would you choose? In review of your life, what five accomplishments have given you the most satisfaction? Can I name my five right quick? And I'm going to close. Can I name my five? I found Jesus when I was a boy. Church had less than 10 people in it, but I found Jesus. I was called to preach at a young age in my life, and even though I resisted it and thought I couldn't do it, God wouldn't let me go. The second great moment in my life, and the third great moment in my life kind of is very unique and different. I went through a tragedy in 81 as a young preacher, and God established and gave me a beautiful wife that would heal me from that tragedy she's sitting by me tonight she's with me in this house we have three beautiful daughters that's my third wonderful accomplishment in life and the fourth is when you folks a very small congregation asked me to come to austin and i left a big old church over in louisiana to come over here because i knew it was a going to be a great thing in the kingdom of god and the fifth thing is that you've put up with me for 30 years And so my reason to exist is to blank. My reason to exist is to win all the souls that I can win for the cause of Christ. Before I hear that final whistle, that's my goal in life. Because He saved me. He called me. He redeemed me from destruction. Hallelujah. He let me come to a place with purpose. And now He's allowed me to stay. And I had the greatest birthday party ever had in my life, December the 11th, the greatest ever. I'm never going to throw away the cutouts that Scott and Kimberly made for me at their shop. I'm never going to throw them away. Some I have to steal them and cut them and throw them in the trash. I'm not going to throw them away because it reminds me of a life that God's given me in my life. It's It's been great being with you folks, and I'm enjoying the journey right now. All right, is that all right? let me hurry give me three more minutes i'm 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 going to be about three minutes over now let's clarify objectives the purpose statement helps answer why do i exist but an objective helps us answer the question what do i want to be or what do i want to do objectives would be something like spiritual i want to grow more in god physical i want to live a long happy life family i want to build intimacy with my wife and my husband and with my children I want to love them. Vocational, I want to own my own business. Personal growth, I want to read more widely. Socially, I want to develop more friendships. Financially, I want to have no debt except my mortgage. And you ought to take those seven facets of life that I just mentioned and grade your current status on a scale from 1 to 10. That'll help you see where you need to address things. Your objectives should support your life's purpose. And then finally, let me finish. Let's look at concrete goals goals are the dreams which translate into reality and I know you know this but a goal is a desired accomplishment that is easily married by time and performance your fortunate goals your formulate goals by answering these simple questions number one what do I want to accomplish can you answer that what do you want to accomplish now I'd like to grow hair But I will never, that's crazy for me to think that because it ain't going to happen. There is no hair growing product in America that can fix his head. And I'm not going to put another one on there. So how will I know it's happened, number two? And when do I want this to happen? Can I tell you, in five years, you can turn your life. In five years, Solomon built a house of God powerful in seven years you can build something in your house in five years go home and say January 2025 I will be and write it I will do and write it and I will understand and write it and start believing that you're going to make your way toward that and throw your anchor and start kedging to where you threw it and when you get there, throw it some more and start kedging again and let yourself go against the grain and against the waves and against all the stuff of life and get to where you dream you wanna be and start doing it on January 15th, 2020. Stand to your feet, clap your hands all over the building right now. Clap your hands for the word of the Lord tonight. So Alice asked the Cheshire cat Who was sitting in a tree What road do I take The cat asked Where do you want to go Alice answered I don't know Then the cat said It really doesn't matter does it If you don't know where you want to go It don't matter what road you take But if you matter where you want to go It does matter what road you take Solomon said if you don't know where you're going You're going to end up somewhere else Let's make up our mind that we're going in the direction that God wants us to go. Leave the world behind. Leave all the voices behind. If you have to get off of Facebook and Instagram and all the negative people that are trying to talk you out of doing things for God and doing things for the kingdom and for yourself, do it. I got off Facebook 10 years ago. I hadn't been affected, 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 affected. (laughs) all right all right all right I promise if I was on it right now I would be affected 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 hey let's do something for God come on let's do something for God let's do something for God let's make our life count for Jesus Christ come on let's count come on let's count lift your hands you're awesome people I've held you long enough. It says I'm four minutes and 59 seconds over time right now. Lift your hands, let me bless you. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I love these precious people, and I'm so thankful that you allowed me to come to Austin, 1990. We're gonna see the glory of the Lord, God, this new church is gonna be with us this year. 1,700 seats, God. We're gonna fill it again and again and again. You promised us a 10,000 soul revival that's been stretched in our hearts now to 15,000. God, this church is going to be a beacon in South Austin. It's going to be a place where people are going to come and find healing and salvation and deliverance and hope for their lives. Now bless this congregation. Bring us back in the morning for early morning prayer. Bring us back Sunday for three great services. Thank you for 9, thank you for 10, 30, and thank you for noon. Let us worship you and give you praise and adulation in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Now let the face and the grace of God be with this congregation as they leave tonight. Give us safety driving home and a great night at home. Let us rise up and go call the next day blessed. In Jesus' name. Say amen with me. I love you very much. You're awesome. We'll see you Sunday. Hallelujah. We'll see you Sunday.